away is that God is passionately pro-humanity. Now, I want you to let that sit for a second, because oftentimes, if we're not careful, we begin to think that God isn't pro-humanity. Out of everything God made, this is the one thing God said, this is very good. This is the ultimate thing that I have done. Social media is proof that people want to talk about what's going on in their lives, especially when it's good news. Today, as he begins a new series called The Gift, Pastor Daniel reminds you that you have the privilege to give the gift of the good news of God's love to those around you. He says that God cares deeply about the world and the people in it. In fact, as you'll learn today, God is passionately pro-humanity and wants everyone to know him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, as he begins his message, The Foundation of Evangelism. So I'm excited to begin a brand new series with each one of you. You know, in Christmas season, so much emphasis is placed on the Christmas gifts, And oftentimes, we don't even ask ourselves the question, why do we give gifts at Christmas? Of course, maybe you hear about old St. Nick or Santa Claus, but really the reason people began giving gifts at Christmas time was because Jesus is the ultimate gift. Jesus is God's gift to humanity. And so when I started thinking about this idea of Jesus being God's gift to humanity, I started thinking about something that is so important, something that has driven the life of the church its entire existence and needs to be something that we not only think about, but we pray about and we are, find ourselves activated in. And that's the work of evangelism. Now, I know when I say the word evangelism, for some of you are like, evangel, what? Right? You don't know that word. And it, it is a church word. So I want to explain to you what evangelism is. Now, evangelism is the telling forth of the evangel. And the evangel in the Greek, it literally means good news. So it's like when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, people talked about it. People who were hoping that Donald Trump would be the next president when he won, they talked about it. Right? If you have an enormous amount of credit card debt and all of a sudden one day you wake up and you find out all that debt is gone, what do you do? You talk about it. Right? And so evangelism is the shining forth of the message of Jesus into the world. Now, oftentimes people say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I'm not an evangelist. And here's what I want to say up front is that We do evangelism because of obedience, not because of gifting. Because you and I were created and recreated in Christ to be witnesses, to be lights in the world, to be cities set on a hill. And God wants 
to use each one of you to be a vehicle for the message that Jesus is real to enter the world. Now, I know some of you are saying, you're like, well, hold on. So Fusco, like, you know, I don't know if I'm there yet. And you start getting yourself all worked up. I'm here to tell you, no, no, listen. When you and I submit to the work of the Spirit, evangelism is what happens. Because we're going to see that God is all over this work of evangelism. Now, I always love as a preacher, I love when God gives me like great packaging, you know, where it's like God just puts it all together. And so I'm going to share with you in the first message, the foundation of evangelism. And then the second message, the function of evangelism. And then in the third and fourth message, messages, the form of evangelism. So you get three F's, the foundation, the function, and the form. Right? And then what's beautiful is that in each one, God gave me its own little packaging for the messages. And so it's kind of fun. As a pastor, I'm like, oh, God, you're so fun when you do that. You make me sound like I know what I'm doing. Thank you very much. So the foundation of evangelism is why do we do it in the first place? The function of evangelism is what are we hoping to accomplish or what does this telling forth of the good news of Jesus. So what does it accomplish? And then the form of evangelism is, how do we do it? Now, I know for so many people, like, well, just give me the form. I want to know how to do it. But before I tell you how to do it, I want to explain to you why we do it. I want to be able to lay a foundation for why this is so important. And I'm pretty sure that for some of us, we need convincing on why this is important. Because the last time I checked, in 21st century America... Telling people your spiritual beliefs is kind of frowned upon. Did you ever notice that? You can recommend a car, no one minds. You can give five stars to a restaurant on Yelp, and no one cares. You tell them that you believe in Jesus, and all the gloves come out. Did you ever notice that? It's amazing. And what's amazing is if you say, hey, I'm starting to do yoga, nobody cares. If you say, I'm becoming a Buddhist, nobody cares. You say, I believe in Jesus, and before you know it, all hell breaks loose. And that's the world that we live in today. And so, because it is frowned upon, the church has a tendency to get insecure about it, gets insulated, and stops doing exactly why God created us. So I want to give you a, the biblical foundation for this idea of evangelism. Now, in order to do this, I'm going to give this to you tonight in five Ps. Isn't this so fun? Five, the five P's of evangelism. Now, I'm going to be giving you all sorts of scriptures. So if you're a note taker, this is one of those ones you can uh, write notes. If you want to work on your Bible cardio, you can flip to all these scriptures as well. And it's always good, you know, you want to know what's in, in your Bible, right? So flipping around and finding verses. So I'm going to give you each P and, I'm, and we'll explain them to you. So the foundation of evangelism, this telling forth, this articulating of the good news about Jesus, right? It begins with the person of God. This begins with the person of God or the personality of God. Now, your Bible begins in Genesis chapter 1 with in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? That's the, and right away, you know, in one verse, the Bible becomes the most controversial book in history because it says that in the beginning, God created everything. 
Now, if you remember from that beautiful poem of creation, Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 2 verse 3, what we learn is that every time God created something, what does God say? It says, good. See, God as the amazing divine artist, everything he's making, he's like, man, that's so good. He made himself some fish. He's like, yeah. Made him the moon. He's like, wow, I got me some skills. You know, everything God made is good. And then on the sixth day of creation, God created Adam and Eve in his own image, in his own likeness. And what did God say on that day? He says, very good. You know, don't miss that. That one word difference. Everything was good, but when God created humanity in his image and likeness, God said, this is very good. See, humanity is God's crowning drool of creation. Everything he did was rad, but creating Adam and Eve was exceedingly rad. And God didn't say, oh, this is good. God said, this is so good. And what you learn right away is that God is passionately pro-humanity. Now, I want you to let that sit for a second. Because oftentimes, if we're not careful, we begin to think that God isn't pro-humanity. And of everything God made, this is the one thing God said, this is very good. This is the ultimate thing that I have done. Now, we're going to talk about some of the struggles that humanity has. But God is radically pro-humanity. And this is the beginning spot for evangelism. That God has a passion for humanity. It reminds, of course, of a verse like 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Where it says that God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. I mean, is there a more pro-humanity statement than that? That God's desire is that none would perish, that none would be separated from him, but that all would come to repentance. That's how passionate and pro-humanity God is. So this telling of the good news of Jesus, it begins with the very personality of God. You think of maybe the most famous verse in all the Bible, what, John 3.16. For God so, what the world? Love the world. Don't ever forget that. God loves his creation and God loves people uniquely. The reason any person has come to a saving knowledge of Jesus is because of God's unfailing, never-stopping love. You look at your own life. I think about my own life. God's pursuit of me was relentless, and I was a serious rebel. God came for me just the way he did for you. And I ran, and I, I tried to be a slippery fish with God. I thought I could, you know, juke God out or whatever only to realize what a futile effort that is. I think some of you are like that right now. You're here, you're hearing this, and you think you can like outrun God's love. And I'm here to tell you, it's foolishness. His love's relentless. And God loves you so much. God loves you so much that he gave Jesus because of his love for you. But this is also why Jesus tells us that we should love our enemies. You know why? 
Because God doesn't only love his, his people. God loves all of humanity. God gets to love us as his kids uniquely because we find ourselves in Christ. But anybody who says yes to Jesus becomes part of that family. And God wants his relentless love to reach humanity through who? Through us. So the foundation, it begins with the very personality of God, a God who loves humanity, a God who is for humanity, and a God who wants his people to be a witness of his love in the world. But the second P, there is the problem with humanity. So the the person and the personality of God, God loves humanity, he's pro-human, but humanity has a problem. And of course, we learn about that problem in Genesis chapter 3, don't we? What happens in Genesis chapter 3, my friends? Adam and Eve eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember the whole story. God placed Adam and Eve in paradise. It was the most beautiful garden that was ever created. And God said, listen, you can eat anything you want except for this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because if you eat this, you will surely die. Now, it's not like there was only one fruit tree, only one food tree, and God said, well, look, I only gave you one, but you can't eat of that. Ha, ha, ha. Right? God gave them everything they could ever need. He gave them complete liberty and one restriction. Right? But you know what it's like. Don't you, you rebels? It's like, You can do anything you want, but just don't do this thing. And the only thing you want to do is that one thing, right? Every once in a while, I'm like, you know, I got these three little kids at home, and I love them so much. But I say, listen, yeah, have a bus, but don't do this. And five seconds later, they're all doing that. Now, I know they learned that from their mom. You got to pray for my wife, you know? (laughs) I'm just kidding. But, but, But I see them do this stuff, and I think to myself, I'm just like that. And everyone I know is. There's something, there's a rebellious streak. The Bible calls that the sin nature. And that's what we received from Adam and Eve when they ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All of God's good creation broke. Humanity's relationship with God broke. Creation's relationship with itself broke. Everything busted right there. And because all of us are descendants of fallen humanity, we received this sin nature, this rebellious streak that us left up to our own devices, we are going to rebel against God. And that's a problem. So although God's love is radical, God is realistic about who we are. See, there'd be no need for Jesus to come if there was no problems with humanity. And what's amazing is is people realize that humanity has a problem, but nobody wants to hear the Bible's prescription for it, which is we have a sin nature. See, the problem is not the sins that we commit, The sins that we commit is the outward manifestation of a broken nature. See, your acts of rebellion, you might be saying, well, listen, you know, Pastor, I'm really just struggling. I'm, you know, smoking, you know, and I'm doing this stuff I shouldn't be doing. I need to stop smoking. Really, the reason you smoke that, the smoking is the symptom of the disease, which is the sin nature. And self-help says we need to clean up the symptoms The gospel says we need to transform the heart because everybody lives from the heart outward. So the Bible is not shy about saying 
Humanity is deeply loved by the personality of God, but there's a huge problem. And all through the scriptures, we learn about this. I mean, maybe one of the the most famous pearl strings of this is in Romans chapter 3. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, the Apostle Paul does something called pearl stringing, where they take all these scriptures from all these different places and he lines them all up. And that's what the Apostle Paul does. He pulls together a bunch of different scriptures from the Psalms, from Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to verse 18, because he wants to make sure that the church in Rome knows that there is a problem with humanity. And listen to what it says. This is Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. I want to stop there. When it says there is none righteous, what does that mean? There is none righteous. You guys are Bible scholars. I love that you guys, you guys are so smart. It just says there's none righteous. And you, what does it mean? It means there's none righteous. And when it says no, not one, what does that mean? No, not one. There's no exceptions to this rule, right? Why? Look what it says in verse 11. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have become altogether unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. And then it goes on. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now you read that, and you're like, wow. It's real negative. See, What the Bible teaches about humanity is not that all of us are as bad as we could be. The Bible teaches that none of us are as good as we should be. That's a big difference. Because oftentimes people say, well, I don't like this problem with humanity. Everybody knows humanity has problems. But when you read it like that, you're like, wow. See, the Bible doesn't say that you are the worst possible version of you. The Bible says the issue is that you're never the perfect version of you. And that's the problem, because God is perfect, and God is all-loving, and we fail in so many ways. You can read other places like Ephesians chapter 2, where we learn about how dead humanity is. You can look at something as simple as Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, where it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. See, evangelism begins with the personality of God and it runs right into the problem of humanity. All of humanity was created in the image and likeness of God and all of humanity has been warped by sin. We're equal parts beauty and tragedy. And the moment each one of us come to terms with that about ourselves and the world that we live in, the better off we are. Because you never have an elevated self-view of yourself. Then you say, wow, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made, created in the image and likeness of God, and I'm fatally flawed. So we're not either have an elevated self-view or a completely depressing self-view. We're both amazing and a train wreck at the same time. But if you have the personality of God and you have the problem of humanity, then you run right into the provision of Jesus. This is why Jesus came. The provision of Jesus is the third P. 
Because if God is loving and not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance, and if all of humanity has a big problem that we're flawed by sin, then God sends his own son. And that is why Jesus, yes, he was a great teacher. Yes, he was a prophet. But Jesus' main mission was to die on the cross. Because in his death on the cross, he makes provision for all of the failings of humanity. See, we find that all the way back in the time of Moses, God showed his people that when sin is committed, the wages of sin is death but that God would accept a substitute to receive the punishment that was deserving by another. Scholars call this substitutionary atonement. I know, you gotta love scholars. They go to school for a long time, so they need to make a big word so you know that they've been studying for a long time. That's why they do that. Substitutionary means God will accept the substitute. It's like if you're at school, right, you have a teacher, but all of a sudden there's a substitute teacher. Is that really your teacher? Not always, but they're standing in for the teacher on that day. You got substitute. Good. Atonement, big word, simply means at one mint. Atonement is taking two things that are separated and bringing them together. So all the way back, we have this sacrificial system that says, although you've sinned, God will accept the blood of a lamb or a goat. God will accept a pigeon, all these different things, to receive the punishment, the death sentence that you deserve. And all of that was put in place to point everyone to God's ultimate provision, which is Jesus himself. When God became flesh and dwelt among people, as it says in John chapter 1, and Jesus lived the life that we failed to live. Jesus is the only one who could say, I always do those things which please my Father. None of us can say that. But Jesus said, always. That in all ways he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus is the one exception to the problem with humanity. Because he was tempted in every way that you and I are, but yet he never failed. Just as, remember Adam, he was in that garden, and he was surrounded by food, but he couldn't take the temptation of not eating one tree. Jesus was fasting for 40 days. He was in the wilderness. He was viciously tempted by Satan. And what did he do? He didn't give in. He didn't stumble. He was in the desert where Adam was in the garden, right? Adam had access to every food he could ever want. Jesus hadn't been eating for 40 days. Jesus fulfilled what Adam couldn't. That's why the Apostle Paul calls him the second Adam. Jesus is To do something well, you need the right tools and the knowledge of how to do it. As Pastor Daniel explained today, it's imperative that you have a good foundation when sharing about God's love with others. You discovered how that foundation includes the understanding that God is pro-humanity. That when he saw the brokenness in his creation, he made a provision for our rescue through his son Jesus. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such an amazing honor to share God's Word, and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. Find out more by visiting our website, 
JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue to walk you through one more of the truths that create the foundation for evangelism. You'll be edified as you learn more about how the death of Jesus really does provide a way for you to be right with God. You'll also hear about the role the Holy Spirit plays as you share God's love with those around you. God doesn't leave you to do this in your own strength, but He's there with you as you reach out to others. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel the entire production team, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.